Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080. This is one of those songs that I had the chance and the pleasure of hearing last week at a Beyond Purple show. White Snakes crying in the rain. Beyond Purple is a Connecticut group that covers so much great music by Deep Purple, Dio, Rainbow, White Snake. In that case, obviously, White Snake there crying in the rain. Um, and they're a Connecticut group. And last Saturday, they were performing what they weren't performing in Connecticut. I'm proud to say that Beyond Purple is beginning shows not only here in Connecticut. Yes, they still have plenty of Connecticut shows, but they've been playing out of state as well. Um, and it seems like every year they add another location or another state to all the places that they stop at. And Jimmy Bell, the guitarist in the group, he was the very third guest on Spotlight Connecticut back on December 3rd. 2022, I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with him and talking with him about the music industry and learning how to play an instrument and guitar and so much more. Um, I mean, he really is an inspiration from his 1986 audition with Ozzy Osbourne to the state of the music industry today and all of the groups that he's involved in, House of Lords, Autograph, Beyond Purple. I just absolutely love talking with Jimmy and I love going to his shows. But I've never traveled to one of his shows before. And because Connecticut is a small state and we're rich with what we have to offer here in the state, um, I, I like to see how Connecticut actually plays a role in other parts of this region. And in this case, he was doing a show up at Hudson Falls, New York, at a place called the Strand Theater. Now, I'll tell you about the Strand Theater in a moment. But I was not the only person from Connecticut that traveled to this show. I was actually pleasantly surprised to meet another guy who was there with his girlfriend. They live in Connecticut now, but they're actually from the Greater Lake George area, which is where Hudson Falls is. And so it blows my mind just to see the, you know, the crisscross from one state to the next within our region and all united by music. And what a great performance it was from songs like Crying in the Rain all the way over to Hush and Woman from Tokyo. I always like the rainbow songs that they play as well. Street of Dreams, Stone Cold, and everybody that's part of Beyond Purple, they do an absolutely fantastic job. There's Jimmy Bell, you've got Brian on bass, BJ on drums, Mark on keys, and Mike absolutely crushes it on vocals. And the Hudson Falls area, um, it's kind of a sleepy area, but I like that. You know, it's not the hustle bustle of New York City, so it's the totally opposite um, that you would think of when you think about New York, because maybe when you think of New York, you might think of the city first and foremost, but there's so much else in the state. The drive up there was absolutely beautiful. Last Saturday, it was pretty calm. It was pretty peaceful. It was toasty up there. I was actually a little surprised at how warm it got. It was um, it was like 77 degrees. And, uh, of course, Connecticut was warm last weekend as well. At least Saturday was. Sunday, not so much. Um, but it was definitely warmer, I believe, in upstate New York than it was in Connecticut because I called a friend of mine in Connecticut last Saturday, and they told me that um, it wasn't as warm, it wasn't as humid as what I was describing to them in upstate New York. So that was different in itself. But this whole area, everybody was friendly. I did a little bit of shopping when I got into town. I met a friend up there, and we had dinner. There wasn't a whole lot to choose from as far as dinner. Um, you know, at least 
I should say that there were a lot of options and a lot of places to go and explore and choose, but all of them seem to be of the um, the pub style. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there, there wasn't a whole lot of other variety, um, at least in the area where I was staying. I'm sure if I ventured out, I'd probably find a little bit more. But everybody was friendly. The food was absolutely delicious. And you go to this area where the performance venue was, the Strand Theater, and it was like stepping back in time a little bit. Everything was modern, but you still saw touches of history throughout. Just the Strand Theater itself, I believe, used to be a municipal building, from what I understand. And you see it from the outside. It's a big brick building, and it looks well-preserved. And then you step inside, and yes, it has been renovated into a performance venue. There's an auditorium. There's seating. There's a big stage. Um, there was just something that, that brought me back in time. And that's not a bad thing at all. And they embraced that history. Although it's been updated and outfitted, there are posters galore of old shows that have been there throughout the years that it's been a theater. They had a section of vinyl. And people of all ages, young, middle-aged, and older, were exploring the vinyl because there's been such a reinterest in vinyl in recent years. And vinyl sales are actually improving year after year. None of this was for sale. It was just for show. But you were allowed to go through and take a look and look it over. Um, so I had an absolute blast going there, exploring the Strand Theater. It was hot, too. I don't think that they had the AC ready to go as early in the season. Um, and it's a brick building. So, of course, it's going to attract heat. But let me tell you, it did not wear down anybody's excitement for this show. No, it didn't. And it didn't wear mine down either. People were standing. People were cheering. People were yelling. People were singing. The songs that were danceable, people were dancing to them. Folks were reconnecting with friends that they haven't seen in a long time. So it was a great energy. Like I said, may have been hot, but I think it matched the fact that the music itself was pretty on fire. Hopefully we'll get Jimmy back on the show one of these days. I'm sure we will. Maybe later this year we'll have a conversation or we'll put something together with him. I don't know, but I always love picking his brain because when it comes to music, and particularly guitars, he knows what he's talking about. I'm Morgan Cunningham. This is Spotlight Connecticut. And our conversation this week isn't going to be about music. This is the last you'll hear me talking about music. Instead, it will be about gardening, a very seasonal conversation and one that I think many growers will appreciate. Folks who have a green thumb, unfortunately, I do not, but I do like to try it a little bit. I'm just not that good at it. There's a difference between trying and being good, but I'm going to be talking with Kim of the Garden Barn in Vernon. Our conversation is going to be pretty general. We're not going to dig too much into any one topic, so we're going to give you a smorgasbord, yes, a smorgasbord of things to think about and mull over, and if you want to learn more information, of course, you could stop by the Garden Barn in Vernon. They'll help you out more. That's on the way on Spotlight Connecticut. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Carol Chappelle from Ellington. I listen to Morgan Cunningham on the radio, WTIC. Kim, the Garden Barn here in Vernon has been in the family for some time, hasn't it? That's correct. Uh, my father started managing it in 1979, and he met my mother, and they purchased it together in 1981. So you've had some level of involvement in this place since you were a kid, basically. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we were kind of forced to work, kind of, uh, starting at the age of 12. What made you and also your brother interested in going into this business and running it now as adults? 
Uh, actually, Sean and I both, we wanted to be very different things. I wanted to be a teacher. He was going to be a lawyer. Um, and we worked here through our college uh, experience, and we both just decided that we were really good at this, and we might as well take a go at it. Kim, you mentioned college. Did you study anything related to agriculture? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I went to UConn, and I uh, graduated with an agribusiness degree, so the business side of the agriculture school, and Sean uh, is a horticulture major out of UConn. We're talking with Kim from the Garden Barn in Vernon. We're in spring. It's April. May is going to be here before you know it. Next thing you know, summer will be here. But still a lot of people are just getting started with their work outdoors and getting their landscaping ready and their gardens ready and their flower beds ready. So what advice would you give somebody who's just starting that process, Kim? Uh, So it really depends on uh, the type of person you are. At this point, you want to do your leaf cleanup and your raking, getting your beds cleaned. If you want to make it a little more curb appeal, you can add mulch to your landscape. Uh, We do recommend putting preen down, which is a pre-emergent weed killer, um, under or on top of your mulch. I prefer under just because then you don't see it. Uh, You can also start planting your vegetable gardens if that's what you so prefer. Um, If you have an issue with crabgrass, now would be the time to put crabgrass preventer down. So it really depends on which area you want to focus on first. People are probably starting to think about vegetables and even some fruits as well. What do you guys have available currently at the garden barn, or what do you expect to have in the very near future? In April, we have our cold crops, which is lettuce, broccoli, carrots, celery, beets. There's a a long list there. And then in a couple weeks, we will get all your peppers and your tomatoes, Um, We've branched out into a lot of heirloom varieties as well now because that's kind of in high demand. It's changed there. So we do have a lot of specialty vegetables at this point. Soil's everything. What do you guys have to say about soil at the garden barn in Vernon? For garden areas and uh, the yard in the ground, basically, if you, we recommend the bumper crop again. Um, If you're doing raised beds, we actually have a organic raised bed mix. We also have bulk compost now, so if someone has a very large garden or they're doing a lot of plant installations, they could do it in bulk, so it's just quite a bit cheaper that way. Um, And it really is pretty important to add it, maybe not every year, but at least every other to make sure you get the most of your harvest. For people who do their very own compost, is that something that should be mixed in with their own soils in their gardens, in their potted plants? Oh, absolutely. For sure. What are the benefits? It just adds nutrient content to the soil and it gives the plant material just the extra boost it needs to get a good start. And a lot of times it help helps stimulate the root growth faster. Kim, when I go to your store's website, which is gardenbarn.com, there is a section on there about Yukon soil testing with a little bit of information on it and how it applies to your store. What is that for anybody that might not know? I believe they're still doing it. They they did stop for a while, but there's there's a service that Yukon offers that you can uh, take a sample of your soil and send in uh, a check. I honestly don't remember what the cost is, and they send you back a full analysis. So you, if you're having trouble with certain things, it hopefully will help you figure out what you need to add to your soil or do less of so that you get the best benefit for your plants. And I did check online. They are still doing it. 
The website, though, is a little complicated, so I'm not going to try to give it out here on the talk program. But if you do go to our handy-dandy friend, Google.com, and type in Yukon Soil Testing, more information and Yukon's webpage does actually pop up. And then you'll have to look at individual forms for more information about what kind of soil analysis you do want to have done. I imagine that the results can be a little complicated. I've never seen one of the reports, and you have. Is it tough to follow? It is uh, a little tricky to read, I'm not going to lie. So a lot of people do bring it here to help us, help them figure out how to analyze it. But it's, it's not terrible. It's good. Kim, you went to UConn, as you mentioned earlier in our program. Were you part of the soil research no, I wasn't, and it it's done through a separate division. I believe it's it's like a Yukon provided service that's done at a separate location. So I'm not I'm not aware of where it's done, but it is a good service. I've seen the breakout uh, that they've given to customers, and it's it's very thorough. I mentioned that we have a problem with tomatoes personally, and so Kim, tell me, is there any recommendation on how to better grow tomatoes specifically? There's a debate. Um, with tomatoes and a lot of old school uh, growers and farmers like to recommend 10-10-10, also not organic, but we have other organic options such as garden tone um, and tomato tone for specific. I mean, we break it out. We have hundreds of fertilizers and it really is debatable. Everyone argues that one is better than another. Um, They all, in my opinion, work pretty closely. It really just... You want to make sure if you use something like a 10-10-10, it's much stronger than um, the garden tones and the tomato tones. So just want to not over-apply that. When I came in, one of the first places I went to was the greenhouse where a bunch of houseplants are available. And I mean a bunch. There are several rows of them of all kinds of colors, of all kinds of sizes, of all kinds of purposes. Just give us the skinny, all the different kinds of houseplants that are available, not just at the garden barn, but what kind of houseplants might people be looking for when they walk in the door of any garden center? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have houseplants for all light conditions, uh, pet safe, um, air purifying. So it's really just a matter of how much light you have and where you plan on putting it. We're more than happy to help you pick the right plant for the right place, Um, but it really depends on what what kind of conditions you have. When I came in, one of the first places I went to was the greenhouse where a bunch of houseplants are available. And I mean a bunch. There are several rows of them of all kinds of colors, of all kinds of sizes, of all kinds of purposes. Just give us the skinny, all the different kinds of houseplants that are available not just at the garden barn, but what kind of houseplants might people be looking for when they walk in the door of any garden center? Oh, yeah. I mean, we have houseplants for all light conditions, uh, pet safe, um, air purifying. So it's really just a matter of how much light you have and where you plan on putting it. We're more than happy to help you pick the right plant for the right place. Um, but it really depends on what what kind of conditions you have. Kim, tell me, are there any plants that the garden barn would like to add into the mix, but as of right now, doesn't have available or is having a hard time finding? You know, it's ever since COVID, well, now that we're kind of away from COVID, the market has um, been much better to find most 
of the plants that we need to find. There's always going to be plants that people request that are much harder to find, but as of now, I feel that it's much easier to find everything that people are are asking. Okay, going back to what you mentioned there, COVID being an issue, how is COVID a problem in getting plants or in finding plants? So during COVID, the demand for our industry was severely high and it continued on into 21. So 20 and 21, um, the market, because everyone in the country fluctuates on a different schedule, Texas bought a lot of the tropicals that we would normally get in April, but they had already taken them all in March because their season starts earlier. So we really struggled for a couple years in a row to get the amount that we wanted because they had already sold them to a different state. Well, how did places like Texas get a head start? Is that just because their season is earlier or is there a lot of competition to get plants? Could you have bought maybe the plants sooner or they wouldn't have survived? I'm not sure exactly if I understand. Uh, so typically, so we usually have to focus and we follow the same schedule. So we don't usually pull our tropicals until uh, like first, second week of April. If I had known what was going to happen, I probably would have pulled them in March. But we didn't anticipate there being a problem because it's never, ever happened before. So we wouldn't have known. Kim, I've got a question here. And it comes from my mother. And when mama asks a question, you've got to get to it. And so that's what I'll do. She wants to know if spring is a good time to replace or dig up azaleas and plant new. Yeah, so spring and fall typically are the best time to plant anything or to move items just because typically we have more natural rainwater. Usually the summer would bring the potential drought, so that's why spring and fall is better. But you can plant any time from from the time the ground thaws until it freezes. Kim, why don't you tell people how they can find the garden barn? Uh, we're actually conveniently located uh, just a mile or mile and a half right off uh, 84, off exit 66. I'm Morgan Cunningham, and this is Spotlight Connecticut chatting with Kim from the Garden Barn. If you want to find them on the web, gardenbarn.com. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. I'm Morgan Cunningham. This is Spotlight Connecticut rocking back into the show with a little heart and never. What I wanted to tell everybody about, considering that we're talking about gardening and working outdoors and tending to the land, so to speak, I thought it'd be important to tell everybody about the U.S. Drought Monitor and teach everybody where they can find it, how they can use it, how they can check it every week, um, because I know that last year the drought was a big concern. And we are going to talk with Kim from the Garden Barn a little bit to get her thoughts on what you can do to try to get ahead of that, particularly because we are getting some rain tomorrow, or at least that's in the forecast, and so we can expect to get some rain. And hopefully we do because we could use some, that's for sure. And there hasn't been a lot of rain recently. Um, but for those of you who are planting and for those of you who have gardens or very soon will have one, you might want to listen to what Kim's tip is coming up. Now, as far as the U.S. Drought Monitor, what you need to know is there is a website that you can check it every week. It is updated on Thursday mornings. And you can see the drought monitor update for the whole country. They show you an interactive map, and you can zoom in on any region you want. If you want to look at Texas, if you want to look at Missouri and Kansas, if you want to look at Florida or Kentucky, you can do so. But obviously, for our purposes, we're interested in what it shows for Connecticut. Now, if you go to 
www.drought.gov. I'll share that again. You'll be able to access the U.S. Drought Monitor update, again, posted every Thursday morning, www.drought.gov. You'll be able to find it. Now, if you zoom in on the map to what it shows for Connecticut, you will see that much of the state is in what is considered to be moderately dry category. That is the least amount of drought possible. Obviously, there's none. That's the honest to God least. But as far as starting to get dry, there's abnormally dry. Then the next step up from that is moderate drought. So that would be D1, as they call it. And if you're looking at Connecticut's map, it shows much of the state is in what's considered to be abnormally dry. The immediate shoreline is showing abnormally dry categories and conditions. However, if you go to northern Fairfield, New Haven, Middlesex, and New London counties, there's basically a line that goes up there showing moderate drought. And that moderate drought touches the bottoms of Tolland County and Wyndham County in the state's northeast. Everything above that line is considered to be abnormally dry. However, there is a portion of this map, the northmost parts of Hartford and Tolland counties, right by the Massachusetts line, where there is showing no drought conditions at all. And if you looked at this map a week ago, basically Fairfield, New Haven, Middlesex, and New London counties, basically everything south of Hartford, almost, kind of, sort of, I'm just giving a rough estimate of what it looked like. That was previously in the abnormally dry category. So definitely there has been more drying up in Connecticut in this past week. Nothing like what we were looking at last summer, but it does not necessarily look good for the next update. So we are getting some rain in the forecast tomorrow. I don't know how much impact that would have, but of course any rain is welcome. And I believe that Kim has a tip and a trick to share with everybody coming up after the next break to tell you what you can do now to try to get whatever rainwater you can to use for your crops, for your plants, for your flowers. I'm Morgan Cunningham. This is Spotlight Connecticut. And if you need that information again, it is www.drought.gov. And you'll see the interactive map for the U.S. Drought Monitor. Very easy to check out. Or just listen to us on Thursdays on WTIC. And we will share the update in the newscast at the top and bottom of every hour. For those of you who want to get in touch with me, share your thoughts for a show idea. Maybe you have a question on a previous show or anything else that you'd like to say. Email is the best way to get in touch with me, and I'll get in touch with you as soon as I can. And somebody sent me an email this past week about an unusual music instrument that's on display at a museum in Litchfield County. I don't want to share any more information than that. We're going to see if we can turn that into a show maybe in May. But all you've got to do, if you've got an idea about whatever it is, no matter how unusual, in fact, the more unusual, the better. I like unusual topics. They turn out to be really interesting shows, and nobody else does this stuff either. So good for the ratings, right? Morgan.Cunningham at odyssey.com is the email address that you'll need. Again, it is M-O-R-G-A-N 
dot C-U-N-N-I-N-G-H-A-M at odyssey.com. And you spell that like this, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot C-O-M. Morgan dot Cunningham at odyssey.com. Send me whatever show idea you've got. Weird musical instrument, a people story, whatever it is. I want to know what's on your mind. Send it to me. This is WTIC in Hartford. Hi, I'm Kevin in Seymour, and I'm listening to Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Let's continue our conversation with Kim Mullins of the Garden Barn in Vernon, Connecticut, not too far off I-84. I'm Morgan Cunningham. We're exploring gardening very generally. Again, we're not digging too deeply into any one topic, just kind of a rapid-fire Q&A about what's available at the Garden Barn. Maybe some topics that are probably on your mind and probably on everybody else's mind as well. Just giving you an introduction into how Kim and her team at the Garden Barn address some of these questions, comments, and concerns. How about last year's drought, Kim? It was a problem not just here in Vernon and in Tallinn County, but statewide it was pretty bad. So what can people do? That's a hard one uh, because water is essential for plants, and a lot of towns did have water bans, so that's, there's really no way around that. Um, we just really have to hope that that doesn't happen again. They're, the only thing I could recommend that some people do do is they have rain barrels that would catch the rainwater that we actually do get. So if you do get a water ban, you'd have water hopefully in that reserve. We experienced a lack of snow, Kim, this past winter here in Connecticut and other parts of New England as well. Connecticut's not alone. Of course, some people are probably happy about that because they don't want to deal with snow headaches. Also, it can damage plants, I know that. But I'm wondering if that has an impact on people who are trying to grow this spring. So. Snow can be both good and bad. Like you said, snow load can harm plants, but snow also insulates plants uh, and does help when we do get severe cold. Luckily, we didn't get severe, severe cold this winter. However, we did get a couple uh, cold snaps. So we haven't had too many replacements yet, but sometimes on a winter with no snow and cold weather, it can actually do more harm than good. For people, Kim, who are having a hard time growing, or that they anticipate problems growing. Um, I know that the last few years, personally, we've had a hard time with tomatoes. So is there something that you'd recommend for plant food that might help all across the board? So it depends on if you want organic or non-organic. Um, we recommend when planting holytone or plantone typically. Plantone for anything that is a non-evergreen, holytone for evergreens. Um, for more established plant material, we recommend what we uh, use in our nursery yard here, which is Osmoco. But Osmoco is not an organic. How about those annoying animals that always come up and eat your plants? Deer are a problem for us, personally. Yes, for sure. And actually, in the past few years, uh, probably three years, it seems like squirrels and chipmunks have been more and more complaint of people. And I don't know if it's because they're paying more attention or if they're actually getting worse. Um, we have quite a few products for, uh, like Repelzol, Hot Pepper Wax, um, and they do they do become effective. You do have to reapply a lot of them if, it, if we get heavy rain, <clears throat> but they do, they do become impactful to help with the animals. I always think that plant stores, 
and all kinds of landscaping businesses where they have a lot of decorative plants, farms as well. I always feel like they don't have animal problems because everything always looks so pristine. So tell me, am I wrong here? Do you guys have problems with animals at the Garden Barn in Vernon? Oh, we sure do. Uh, we have to make sure that uh, anything that the bunnies can reach is on a table. We've had a pretty severe woodchuck issue in the past that thankfully went away last year. Um, we used to have a heart trap and just brought him a little bit farther away, which is another option for people that have an issue with woodchucks at home. Um, but yes, we do. We have a problem with everything here that you would at home. Kim, I'm walking through your greenhouse and what do I hear? Birds. And whenever I go to any garden center anywhere of any kind, I always hear birds. I don't know if you guys, and, and when I say you guys, I mean garden centers, right? I don't know if you guys are trying to find birds or if they find you guys instead. So tell me how that works. Why do I always hear birds in garden centers? They have found us in full force this year. That is the, the uh, most birds we've had in our greenhouse ever. Um, so I don't do much in uh, retail, but in our growing facility, uh, my husband was having a severe problem with birds getting in his heaters. So we put a bunch of bird houses on the wall to, and it actually has helped severely. Well, Kim, we talked a little bit about how animals are a pest. Let's talk about pesky insects. I'm talking about everything from bees, which distract you while you're working in your yard or your garden, to grubs that disturb your plants themselves. What do you guys know about insects and how do you guys combat them here at the Garden Barn in Vernon? So um, there's a wide variety of um, products now that can help you with all of those insects. Uh, we carry both organic and non-organic options because so many people want both. Um, grubs are a tricky one. Usually, uh, if you have grubs, you have moles and bowls. So it's, you gotta, you gotta fight kind of a few things. Are there any recommendations at this time on getting ahead of the insects before they damage your trees, your crops, your plants? I, this would be a perfect time to start treating your fruit trees. We have had a lot of issues uh, with insects and funguses on fruit trees, so now would be the time. A lot of people wait a little too long, and then that becomes troublesome. And then everything else really is weather dependent because certain insects come out when we get different types of weather. So as long as you watch your plants, uh, we can definitely help you. If you have any issues, you could always bring a sample. We take a look. How about peat moss? Kim, talking with Kim, one of the co-owners at the Garden Barn in Vernon. Does peat moss really work? Does it help? Peat moss does help. Um, we, we typically recommend a product called bumper crop when planting. It has a lot of peat moss in it. It just has a lot of other things uh, like lobster shells and uh, other composts that are mixed all in. But yes, peat moss is definitely helpful. Now, for people who are interested in getting some landscaping done, tell us what you guys have to offer at the Garden Barn in the Department of Landscaping. We deliver all over Connecticut um, and parts of Massachusetts. We do... Um, one tree installations, we do full plant installations. Uh, that does vary depending on town. Um, you could always call us for details if depending on where you live. Um, but we do, you know, we'll plant one tree or we'll plant, you know, 25 trees. So it's, we work with people to do the best we can 
Uh, and we offer a program called We Plan You Plant that you could always bring in photographs and uh, measurements and sunlight requirements and we will help you work a design off of that as well. On the topic of weeds, Kim, landscaping fabric. Is it here at the Garden Barn and what are your thoughts? Absolutely, and I would really recommend it in both, uh, whether you're doing a foundation planting, an island planting, or even in a regular vegetable garden. A lot of people use in vegetable gardens now uh, cardboard because it breaks down but it still holds the weeds down. But in general landscaping around the house, I absolutely would recommend weed fabric for sure. How does one apply landscaping fabric and when? So it's just once the area is clear, you roll the mat out. We sell uh, anchoring pins that you push into the ground so it secures it. And it will break down over time, but there's different levels of fabric. So there's like six year and a pro. So you depends on how long you want the weeds to stay down or to, for it to break down. Kim, why don't you tell us about the pot exchange that goes on at the Garden Barn in Vernon? So it's a uh, recycling bin, essentially. People bring back their um, pots, both plastic and honestly, there's been some glazed and terracotta in there every once in a blue moon. Uh, but it's a way that you get rid of the trash without throwing it out. And then a lot of people actually start their vegetable plants in those pots. So you bring pots, you take pots away. It's just a way that people have pots to transplant or plant new uh, at no cost. Wait, so when you're growing your own plants and when you're selling your own plants, are you using any of these recycled pots? Oh no, we, we buy our own pots for growing, uh, but this is more of a service so that people don't have to trash all of their pots and then other people get pots that they might need to do other projects. Of course, people have to have their decorations too. Um, literally everything that you can put into a potted plant or garden, from cute things to utility things, there's a gift shop too at the Garden Barn. We carry a wide variety of uh, gazing balls, wind spinners, wind chimes, uh, plant stakes, um, bird like birdhouses, hummingbird feeders. Um, it, it is a wide variety of things that, that would just be a perfect addition to your garden, along with benches and arbors. And final thought, Kim, you've been part of the garden barn now for so long, really since you were a kid. You must know people just by all the years that they've been coming back every spring, every summer, looking for more gardening or perhaps getting landscaping help throughout the year. You must see so many familiar faces, I imagine. Any favorite stories? Any favorite memorable customers? Oh, there's so many. I mean, like I said, I've worked here since I was 12. So I've, you know, I grew up with so many of them. I look at a lot of them like they're almost like a second grandparent, third grandparent. Um, and then I've watched people, you know, have kids and they have kids. So it's it's been really, that's actually probably one of the biggest favorite parts of my job is to work with the people and it is a lot of repeat customers for sure definitely generational too yes i bet people still want to see your parents are they still involved in the store in any way uh so my mother still works in the office uh my father uh retired in 2020 but he still visits very often i certainly hope that our conversation today helped i know it was general I know that we didn't dig too much into any one gardening issue or topic, but that's what the Garden Barn in Vernon is for. They can help you more specifically. 
I just wanted to get some general tips out there because everybody's going to be growing something somewhere, and I thought I'd help you out. Spotlight Connecticut with Morgan Cunningham. Embracing what's fun with Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080.